0: And welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts, talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Kevin Sheehan, Associate
1: Pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And I'm Matt Curtis, pastor of Decision Life Church in Wairica, California. Welcome to the podcast. Today is March twenty second, twenty twenty one, as we're recording this, and over the weekend uh, there was just a really tragic and terrible shooting in Atlanta that targeted uh, some uh, Asian American uh, women uh, who worked at massage parlors, and there's just been a lot of talk about that. And so today we thought we'd discuss uh, responding to these kinds of events and uh, how much how much are we obligated as if you're a church leader or if you're a pastor or if you're, I mean, whatever you are, um, how far does our uh, responsibility to respond to these things uh, extend? Do you think that's a fair summary of what we're looking to talk about today, Kevin?
0: Sure. I guess so. I mean, what, what kind of prompted this was I saw a, a tweet come through from uh, someone that I follow. It's an Asian American pastor. I believe he's a pastor um, and professor and it just kind of struck me. I mean, I've been kind of following this and obviously there's a lot of especially Asian Americans that have been uh grieving this and have been um just calling for more awareness. The 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 rise in crimes against Asian Americans in the last year has been yeah. uh, whatever the percentage is. I mean, it's just it's just kind right. of gone off the charts a bit. Right.
1: Rightfully grieving and rightfully upset and rightfully
0: I mean all, all of that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so I think part of what I've been doing is just trying to just absorb some of that and listen and yeah. uh, listen and learn and, and whatnot. Um, so this one came across and I won't say who it is, uh, but this is the tweet where he writes many white reformed and evangelical churches, ministries, seminaries, and organizations, not only can afford to be silent about the Atlanta shooting, but they know their tithes donations and reputations are more secure if they don't let out a peep. And there's a little emoji so, crickets equals money, silence equals money. I think I caught myself, my mind went in about seven different directions at the, <laughs> in the first like two seconds that I read that. Yeah, this is coming on the year that we've had. It's been almost a year since COVID, you know, shut everything down. And then of course, we had a summer full of all sorts of t- turmoil, socially, racially, politically. Uh, it's, it's been a year. I hadn't noticed. It's been a year. And so I, I read this and my mm-hmm. mind just went a whole bunch of different places at once, some yeah. more sympathetic, some less sympathetic. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to respond to to this tweet that, we'll just read it again. Many white reformed and evangelical churches, ministries, seminaries, and organizations not only can't afford to be silent about the Atlanta shooting, but they know their ties, donations, and reputations are more secure if they don't let out a peep. Crickets equals money. Um yeah, well, let's just kind of jump into it. I think the first thing that we ought to say is the, the Atlanta shooting was a tragedy, like just full stop. Like it was a tragedy. Eight people lost their lives and it was evil. I mean, murder is wrong. It's evil. And what happened was a tragedy and people are rightfully grieving and are hurt and are concerned. Um, these are image bearers that
1: lost their lives. And it's heinous on like multiple levels. Like, of course, there's the murder part is wrong, but there's also just I mean, no matter how you cut it, I mean, you can you can have an argument about what the man's motivations were, but clearly there's some kind of um, racial component to this and how much there is we can argue about. I don't know that's a productive argument, but the hatred involved with that, uh, especially given the year we've had and how difficult it's been for um for, for our asian brothers and sisters it's just been it's it's particularly heinous like the reason people are responding to it in this way is because it is heinous yeah so that's sort of my that was like
0: you know maybe it should be the first response to right not only this tweet but just the whole situation is like this is just awful it's evil right. let's just call it what it is it's a tragedy. Yeah. Um, second response is, I mean, kind of going along with that, is that many of our Asian American brothers and sisters and neighbors, they're deeply wounded by this. There's been, a, again, a striking increase in the number of crimes committed against Asian Americans over the past year. This incident was just one of them. Although, from what I can tell, it's the most high-profile incident. For Again, for whatever reason, uh, it's drawn the most media attention. Um, and so there's just, you know again, like there's just this kind of outpouring of grief from the Asian American community that I don't know that we've really seen before, or at least for a very long time. So, you know, as people who are not Asian Americans, I think we just need to respect that and yeah. try to understand that, uh, listen to what they're saying. And I guess this, this maybe sounds silly, but allow them to grieve. Not that they are looking for us to allow that, but uh, but to try to understand like this is just part of the process or just make space for that. There has to be a component of grief that go- and lament that goes along with yeah, a situation like this. Well, And, and that's healthy and right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so getting a little more particularly in response to this, this one tweet, um, trying to, you know, be, be sympathetic to what the, what he's trying to say. And there is something in it that um, perhaps we can take to heart and that, yes, we can affirm that too often, too many churches are too quiet uh, about matters that they really should or at least can speak into. I mean, there's plenty of evidence to that, that, that too often, too many churches have been really slow to rise up and speak against some of the great evils in our society. Like, it's just a long history of that. So... Um, I think it's good for us to just acknowledge that, and to recognize like we're always vulnerable to that. Sure. And to just kind of take stock, like it's never a bad time to take stock of
1: whether or not we should be speaking into
0: a, a given issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think there may be something to that um, critique. I don't know that I would frame it how he's framing it, because um, I think anytime you're assigning motives, I think you're in dangerous territory but that's a that, that's a different that's a different conversation I guess yeah well we'll kind of have that in the second half of the podcast I mean again I I think sure maybe some churches are too quiet about things they should talk about I think it's I think most people are too loud about things they shouldn't be talking about so yeah. I mean uh, I, I think especially on social media, I mean, we just have to have an opinion about everything all the time. And I just, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for waiting to weigh in, but we can get to that later, I guess. Yeah. So another whole
0: element in this whole thing was that the, the shooter was a member of a, I think it was an SBC church, um, but, a, you know, it would fall into the evangelical camp, I suppose. Uh, so the fact that he was a member of the church has kind of raised a whole other element, whole other angle to this whole thing. Again, trying to kind of be as as sympathetic as I can to uh, the original tweet here,
1: but well, he didn't bring that up to be to be fair. Like he, he didn't.
0: No, he was, but I think it's just sort of part of the whole. Formula, it's implied, I guess, but the like, whole he, matrix. Yeah, it's like that, and then that's been you know widely talked about that he's been a member of this church, right. And what is this I'm church just saying, do let's not off?
1: assign that to him. Like if we're going to get on him for assigning motives, let's not. Yeah, but right.
0: yeah, but he's. I mean, he's addressing churches as well as yeah. other kind of parachurch organizations. Yeah. And so I think, again, there is some validity to the idea of, yes, perhaps we should take a step back and examine, like if this guy came from our church, what would that say? If anything about that church, or what does it say? If anything about the church, because that's sort of like the conversation that people seem to want to have, you know, there's these kind of, there's these incidents that, that arise. And then the question kind of becomes this isolated incident. Or is it somehow more deeply rooted in, you know, the the culture or the ethos of whatever organization? And that's really hard to assess, I think. Uh, but for the time being, I guess I just want to acknowledge that it's worth at least thinking about and assessing.
1: Yeah, I have thoughts. But it's um, it's, so to answer the question, like, does it say anything about that church? I don't think we have near enough information. I don't know that church or what their discipleship program is. I don't know what level of involvement this guy had in the church. I don't mean there's just too much. I don't know right? to really even begin to articulate something about that. And I actually think trying to articulate something about that church on the basis of what this guy did is not only foolish. I think it's grossly irresponsible.
0: Yeah. And the church has come out with well, at least one statement that I know of.
1: Well, yeah, and they're working they're working to excommunicate him. Well, I think they have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and you know, just about everything that he did, said this is not consistent with the gospel or our church's right. teachings or so right. on. Right.
1: Right. But that doesn't necessarily tell you anything either. You know what I mean? Like it's just Right. It, it, it's the pressure to say something about everything that really I think I'm reacting to. Like Right. Do I need to have a take on the church, on this guy's church when I don't know any of the leadership there or anything about i mean it just seems now it's fair enough to ask yourself the question if this this guy went to my church what would i what are the things i would need to take a look at or how would i respond i think those can be worthwhile questions if you're having them like with your board members and not online
0: yeah i agree and to me like that's where the value is is thinking through like okay i mean again does this say anything about sort of a you know, a more widespread problem that we might have in our church or denomination or just, you know, whatever, whatever kind of boundaries you want to put on that. I mean, he mentioned ministries, seminaries, organizations as well. Um, yeah. Is there something sort of inherent in those that that's problematic? Are there blind spots in the way we disciple our people? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, those are worthwhile questions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 They are. But again, uh, maybe the, well if you want a hot take here it is. Um, the social internet was not built to have this conversation in a in a healthy way it, it It's built for notice me, platform me, affirm me, or let me make you so angry that everyone will see this thing I just said. So it, I just don't think it's the best place to have those conversations. The best place to have that conversation is with your leadership team or with your spouse or with your, you know, friends at your local restaurant where you're sitting between bulletproof plexiglass. So you don't (laughs) breathe on each other, but like, it's, you know, you know, uh, uh, I mean, those are where those conversations take place. I just think I'm, I'm growing increasingly cynical about the social internet. Anyway, there we are. Okay.
0: Well, why don't we just take a quick break so Mike can cool off and, Check his yeah. Facebook feed, and uh, and yeah. then we'll be back with more, more of Matt's thoughts. Matt has thoughts, and we all want to hear them.
1: No, you really don't.
0: But anyway, <laughs> we'll
1: be right back. back.
0: Hey, welcome back to Matt and Kevin Talk Church. We're still here, still talking church. We're not talking sports this week because.
1: I wish well, we were. My <laughs> my, my picks all went in the tank anyway. So Gi- Giants usual. beat the Dodgers last night. It was a beautiful moment in my life and probably the only time it'll happen this season. So there we are. even count or is it preseason? No, still? it's preseason. Okay. Don't try and take it away from me. I need this. Anyway. <laughs> all right.
0: Uh so we're talking about the uh the really tragic events down in Atlanta with the the shootings that killed eight people. And we're responding a little bit to we're responding to a response, I guess, is what we're doing. But it's very meta. Um, I mean, there've been there's been very there's been some really helpful conversation out there, and uh, I guess we're responding to this one tweet that I did not find very helpful. Um, the first half of the podcast, we're trying to find what was good about it. Trying to find, yeah. trying to be sympathetic to it. Oh, um, well, you were. But <laughs> but there was a lot that was also just really troubling, and I think particularly troubling just upsetting to me in light of, well, it's just a lot more context given the year that we've gone through and given something else that I read, which we'll get to in a second, uh, which just really contrasted just in terms of the tone um, yeah. to this. But anyway, this one gentleman um, basically says that, you know, white reformed churches, seminaries, etc., are being silent about it because they're worried about their money stream. I just find that to be an incredibly... Cynical and uncharitable take. Um, I mean, Matt, you said this a number of times that silence can mean any number of things. It could just mean that we're could just mean that we're really busy right now with you know Easter stuff or whatever. It could just mean that we're trying to reflect on it. Uh, I mean, I've, I haven't really followed this super closely as the news reel has you know turned on, but it seems like every day there's sort of a new angle or new information that comes out, which kind of changes the narrative at least a little bit. So I don't know. I kind of think it's okay to wait until everything comes in. I mean, again, like I'll agree that too often we're too quiet or too slow, but
1: uh, sometimes that's not the case. Well, I would say, and again, I actually posted something like this last night. Um, Often silence is not rooted in fear of man or in greed or in uh, cowardice or lack of courage—it's rooted. It's rooted in wanting to seek wisdom. The Bible commends both in the Proverbs and in James uh, to be slow to speak, and so uh, I think there's something wise about being slow to speak. Um, now, um, someone's going to say, "Well, you're you're saying that is going to be used." by people as an excuse to not speak so the, so the, so this wise thing you're saying is open to being abused by people so okay. i guess everything's open to being abused yeah like so we don't say wise things because someone might twist it like that's dumb and i and i just want to address like now to be fair this person isn't saying this but there's this thing out there that says silence is violence or whatever and that if you're silent you're complicit and i just say to to that i say nonsense I mean that's just nonsense. Um, it, it's not. It's. I mean there there can be cases where if you're aware of uh, abuse happening and you say nothing, yes, then your then your silence is complicit is complicit. But not commenting on a news story, um, where you don't know any of the people involved and aren't in part and aren't a part of the communities affected affected. I think you have to follow your conscience there. I think some people have spoken out about it eloquently and brilliantly and helpfully, and they're following their conscience and there's fine. That's fine. Others have not said anything for all kinds of reasons. And I think assigning bad motives to those people is not just uncharitable. It's slanderous. It's irresponsible. And and it strikes me, frankly, it's just platform building. I'm going to say something shocking to get you to pay attention. Um, that's that's how it comes across to me. I mean, that, I'm I'm not saying that's for sure what that's about, but that's how it's that's how that kind of statement always comes across to me. In fact, uh, I actually don't think it's my obligation to comment on every possible thing that's happening at any given time. I have an obligation to walk my church through the stuff they're dealing with, and to uh, offer counsel to the people in my care who seek it. Um. But it's not my job to speak for evangelicalism. In fact, I, I think when where we get into trouble is when we begin to think that it is. I need to speak for evangelicals on this. I need to speak against the common thread and evangelicalism on this. I No, you don't. Um, self-appointed gatekeepers or uh, voices, I, I, it's just not something I have interest in. So I guess the silence equals money remark. I found it not just uncharitable, but offensive. So there, there, there we are. I didn't hold back.
0: <laughs> no, you're not known to.
1: No, I suppose not.
0: Yeah. I, I just, th- that was kind of shocking to me when I, when I read that the insinuation being that like pastors and seminars are just in it for the money. Yeah.
1: Because we're rolling in it. <laughs> right. right? Because there's so much. I mean, you, granted, you can always point to an organization or pastor. You're like, what about Cameron Dollar? Okay, but like, it's <laughs> most of us. Like, holy cow! Yeah, and,
0: I mean, I find that this is just a really complex situation. Again, not that I've you know followed every twist and turn, but I mean, it deals with. <laughs> Elements of racism, sexism, sexual addiction, immigration, maybe mental health thrown in there as well. And, you know, and, and like the intersection of all these things, how all these things sort of come together. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just a lot. That's just yeah. a lot going on. And again, the, the year that we've had, I mean, I like to think that we've probably all learned something in the past year about these things, but if anything, we've learned that they're complex and to just sort of jump in right away and, and sort of say, aha, well, here's what it is. Like, there's also kind of like this desire or proclivity to simplify things, like to be really reductionistic. It's like, well, here's the thing, you know, as if it's just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what it really comes down to, you know, with something like this complex, it never comes down to just like one thing Like, there's always just a myriad of factors involved and for us
1: to think that we can kind of see through it all and, and,
0: and come up with like, the well, one we, thing
1: is we fall into this trap of binary thinking, especially when we're having a discussion about something on the social internet, because the whole point is to score points. Right. And so it's this or that. So if you even mention that mental mental health is a possibly a factor here, well, you just don't care about the experiences of Asian people. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, a- after that, it's hard to have a conversation, you know, like it, that's not excusing it. It's not saying that like, race had no um, part in it it's that motivations are complicated and by the way like figuring out my own motives about anything is complicated right right that takes a lot of introspection and thinking and wisdom frankly so trying to figure out the motives of someone who what you know about him is what you read in the newspaper is dangerous I think
0: I've read about it in the newspaper
1: sorry I was. Newspapers, kids, newspapers, (laughs) kids are these things that they used to have to deliver to your house. And, you know, they would, they were made of paper. Anyway,
0: they got all over your fingers. Yeah. 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 Um, So there was another thread on Twitter (laughs) by a guy named Clayton King. And I just, I read this thread and I was like, oh my goodness, this was really something else. So I'm just going to read it or at least most of it. It's a little bit longer. You okay with that?
1: Yep, let's do it.
0: So this guy Clayton King says, the title, he kind of titles it, Pastors in a Pandemic. And he says, everyone has had a truly difficult year in the past 12 months have been brutal, refining, and unpredictable. From my perspective, I've seen how it's affected pastors emotionally, mentally, and professionally. The role of a pastor is most akin to that of a shepherd in scripture. They care for, guide, protect, lead, and sacrifice for the congregation like a good shepherd would the flock under their care. This takes wisdom, patience, experience, tenacity. In addition to the responsibilities that pastors shouldered pre-COVID, preaching, sermon prep, funerals, sick visits, weddings, counseling, leading staff, budgets, prayer for the church, emails, hospital visits, etc., cetera, pastors have had to navigate the new world of COVID. Many of them had family members who got sick or even got COVID themselves. I was going to skip a little bit here, but some people thought the virus was a hoax at first and some changed their mind while others doubled down on the conspiracy theories they read online. Pastors feel the frustration and anger of church members who felt betrayed by media, experts, and politicians. Pastors have had to try and lead their churches through the most divisive political season in recent history. They know that they can't please everyone, but many of them have felt like they can't please anyone. Accused of saying too much one week and too little the next. A stolen election, a global pandemic, Trump, Biden, voting fraud, QAnon, Fox News, MSNBC, insurrection at the Capitol, Antifa, racism, protests, cancel culture... And of all the issues pastors have had to address, maybe the one that causes the most disagreement, masks. Half our people want them, half refuse to wear them. We want to love our neighbor, value life, protect people. Then the vaccine. (laughs) Let me just skip down a little bit. Meanwhile, for many pastors, the emails kept pouring in with links to articles about racism, social justice, conspiracy theories, end times prophecies, Tucker Carlson clips, Anderson Cooper interviews, church members asking them to read this, watch this, comment on this and that. Then the email or text telling the pastor they're leaving the church. We refuse to wear a mask. Everyone should wear a mask. You shouldn't have canceled. You shouldn't have started. You should. I mean, it just kind of goes on and on. Um, and he, but this is kind of, let me just get down to the end of it here. I just ask you to remember that your pastors are flawed, imperfect humans doing the best they can. They're not political scientists. They're not medical experts. They can't predict the future. They have limits like everyone else, and they need grace and prayer like we all do pray for them, call them, tell them you love them, send them a text with a Bible verse, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, goes, it goes on for quite a bit more. But I, I think what just sort of struck me about this is, is one, it was just like, not that everything in here I, I resonate with, or it's not like you described me to a T or anything like that, but it's close. It, it feels right on. Just, yeah. and just the, the general sentiment of it feels right on. And I just appreciated his sympathy, I guess. So what struck me was, and I read that thread very soon after I read this other tweet that we've been discussing and just the the general tone was just such a striking contrast. So many of us have just felt beat up over the past year for all kinds of reasons. And speaking up about anything has just been yet another reason to get beat up. Uh, so I guess I'm just sympathetic to people going, you know what, I'm just going to sit this one out, you know? And so to have somebody else kind of come in and be like, well, you're just a coward or you're just doing this because you're afraid of the money trail drying up or, you know, whatever else it's just, I I just sort of, I didn't appreciate that. Like I can appreciate like, yeah, this is a tragedy and yeah, I want to try to understand where you're coming from here. And yeah, there's a lot of things like, me and my church and the church can reflect on to see what, if any culpability we have in this. Um, but, I, but I guess I don't appreciate this, you know, just this added uh, burden and obligation and accusations uh, on top of everything else that we're dealing with. And I don't just mean me like pastors, but really like everyone, the churches, I mean, our elders, our deacons, our, all of our church leaders. I mean, yeah. If you can even just expand this to like, you know, this thread that we read by Clayton King, like that probably applies just to a lot of Christians who are not in professional, you know, church jobs, but just, it's just, it's been a year. Yeah. So to have someone pile on and just sort of, you know, make it about money.
1: So Galatians says something that's really hopeful. Like I think speaks to what you just said, where it talks about, I'm paraphrasing here, as you have opportunity, do good, do good to the saints. So what it's saying is, when when you're able when you have opportunity as opportunities come up do something good say something good but not but you can't possibly do all of the good things that need doing do you know what i mean yeah. like it it is impossible so pastor leader of an organization you, you cannot speak to every issue you cannot Um, And that's okay. But as you have opportunity, do it, do it. In fact, uh, Paul says in another spot in Ephesians, he says that he has prepared good works in advance for you to do. So he already knows the good he's laid out before you to do for you to walk in. Right. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, don't like be faithful. I'm saying be faithful, but faithfulness might mean not weighing in on everything that happens. Uh, faithfulness might mean looking out the window and thinking for a little while. Jared Wilson wrote a great piece about that's what we pay pastors to do to some degree is think. Um, And I think, and I found it to be a really resonant piece. You can go find it on for the church if you're interested, but it's, it- it's okay. You don't have to do all of the things. You don't have to be a part of every cause. You don't have to be a spokesman for evangelicalism. Like that's, A burden that is too much for anyone to bear now uh, if the lord is um impressing on you to speak on something if the holy spirit is prompting you to do that obey that prompting obey that prompting but it's been my experience and maybe this is just me maybe this is just because you know i'm you know as i was once legendarily called the big rock that falls on people um I think most people, it's not that they don't say the things that they should. Far more, far more of us is that we say the things we should not. And so I think a lot of the time, not in every case, um, but a lot of the time, if you have an instinct to not say something, follow that instinct. (laughs) Like that's, that's probably, that's probably good. It'll probably keep for a day. You know, I, I don't know. So, so that's where I'm at with it. I don't know about you, but
0: yeah, I guess just in summary, it's, it's, you know, again, like this incident in Atlanta was a tragedy. Um, I'm trying to be more understanding and aware and and sensitive to the Asian American experience and what that entails and how it's different than other experiences.
1: 100%.
0: At the same time, you know, like this, this particular tweet, I just found to just throw a lot more guilt on me which maybe I'm just prone to, like, maybe that's
1: just me. And to be fair, like he's probably responding from a place of hurt. Right. Yeah. So, so he's, so he sends this really unhelpful uncharitable tweet because he's grieving or hurt and that's what people do. So we can, you know, make space for that.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think it's, again, it's fair to to sort of reflect on it as a church or as a Christian and and to see, and it's like, okay, well, I don't have to respond to everything, but if I'm, always sort of admitting certain kinds of responses then maybe that's that's an issue too like i don't know but i'm i'm happy to kind of reflect on all of that
1: yeah Oh, um, again there's a there's a balance um yeah. you you don't have to say everything about anything about everything right like that's impossible um but also like the other there's a ditch on the other side right where you never say anything about injustice or care for the poor don't address those Uh, you don't address those issues in your sermons even though the bible does i mean that you you know yeah I, i think i mean there are ditches on both sides there and i just think um it's wise to be aware of both ditches yeah yeah well said well
0: you've been listening to matt and kevin talk church and we hope that what you've heard has been helpful and edifying in some way as we discuss these topics. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer or other topics that you would like for us to discuss, you can always email us at mattandkevintalkchurch at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at MKTC. That being said, I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. And we've been talking church and responding to the Atlanta shooting.
1: Be warm and be fed.